Oliver from Rugby League, in my opinion here. And welcome back to the third episode of Five in the Bin. We had some, we had some technical difficulties for a little bit there, but I'm proud to say welcome to Nate Gladden from the Rugby League in America podcast, who will be joining us today for a bit of Five in the Bin. How are you, my friend? I'm well, brother. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. I can hear you loud and clear. I do not know what was happening with the app just then. My apologies. For some reason, you were favouriting it. I was favouriting your podcast, but it it just wouldn't save. I don't know what was happening. Uh, <laughs> it's what it is. Oh, no. it is what it is. What it is. But the important thing is that we are here now and it is time to get into some of these topics. So you've prepared five, five things, five changes you want to see with the game of rugby league, sort of five things that you want to see out of the game in the bin. You've actually sent them to me prior. So I'm going to read out your first one here and yep. then I want you to get into it, explain it, and we'll get that piece of trash. We call them pieces of trash here. We'll yep. get that piece of trash into the bin for you. Love the so your first one, your first one is that you'd like to see the NRL focus more on expanding their competition to the rest of the Pacific Islands by removing two Sydney-based teams. So you want to see two Sydney-based teams into that bin. First question, which two Sydney-based teams and why? <laughs> I knew you'd ask that. Well, so this is the interesting thing, right? Because I'm the outsider looking in, right? I'm the American or whatever. I look at it and, and it, when, it, when it comes to that, I almost, I almost think you'd have to look at, <clears throat> you'd have to look at where is it, too crowded which ones don't have a good following what obviously they all of them have a good following uh in in some sense of the word but at the same time it's too many right like sydney has 25 or, or australia has 25 million people sydney has however many millions of people i look at it i just think there's if you're trying to expand the game at a professional level not a quality not a fan level like at a true professional level you you have to remove two i don't know if that's you know, I don't know if that's the Bulldogs, uh, which obviously has a massive fan base, but they don't seem to, from the outside looking in, they don't seem to be one that uh, throws a lot out there as far as offering to the game as it professionalizes. Um, you know, that's, I hate to say names of clubs because obviously I'm not the person to figure this out, but I look at it like if you want to make the game look better, you have all of these teams inside of one area so that if you're an outsider looking in, if you're a businessman looking in, you don't see large crowds. You don't see all these other things uh, that you would hope to see. It looks like, again, outside, it looks like minor league ball. Like unless you're watching a couple teams, it looks like semi-professional sport, but it's not. Now, uh, no people in the stands right now, but so I think if you pull a couple of those Sydney teams, like New York has two NFL teams. They would never want to put a third one in there because they wouldn't want to mess up the fan base because in time, people will pick their teams again. The, some of the older heads will be upset, but you'll get the newer generation and that's the one that keeps the game going. So would you, I, so, sorry, man, would I be able to butt in there for a second? Yeah. Now uh, you just touched on the NFL. They've got the two New York teams, Jets, Giants, who, both play out of MetLife Stadium. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's also the Buffalo Bills. Now, they're Buffalo, New York. Uh, uh, This is just me because I'm interested. How how far are we talking here between? They're six hours away. They're a six-hour drive. Um, Well, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. New York. So, New York is a – New York would be – 
I, I, I don't know how to, um, I, I basically would say, imagine driving to the far ends of New South Wales as a state and imagine a, a, a decent sized town over there, like a town the size of like, a, we'll say the town, a town in a region the size of like Cronulla, right? Over, in, over there. Uh, they they have nothing in common with New York. They are called the Buffalo Bills. They definitely do not consider themselves to be. They're considered new, uh, not New Yorkers. They're upstate New York. You know, they're 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 a completely different breed of people, and uh, and they gen- genuinely probably despise both the New York City teams more than everybody else. Okay, because now Buffalo, New York, is not the New York where the Jets and. Uh, Giants are because there's the state of New York, I believe, which Buffalo are in. Yep. But the two New York sides we're talking about are from New York City, in that New York, New Jersey area, right? In right, which is also in the state of New York, but not okay. Because see, I sort of thought Buffalo was like maybe half an hour to an hour. Uh, yeah, no, it's complete other state. It's like, it's, yeah. it's a world away. Like the people of Buffalo are nothing like the people of New York City. I don't mean okay. that slight to either one, but it is completely different mindsets. Okay, yeah, sorry for butting in there, man. No, I just sort of wanted one. to wrap my head around it because I, I, I was sort of thinking, okay, you know, you're talking about a third New York side and I was thinking, well, uh, Buffalo sort of in that area. Um, but yeah, if you, you obviously know a lot more than me on the topic, considering I believe you live in the, the Princeton, the New Jersey area, yeah. um, around Princeton. So you're sort of in the thick of that New York area, but no, I, I, um, I stand corrected because no, I was you're of good. the opinion. Yeah. You're good. No, it like, makes sense. Like it would make sense. Like Buffalo, yeah. everybody would think that it, you know, it, cause you never hear about anything else and. But that, going back to that point, I, I don't have all the answers, but I look at it like yep. if, if, as you see the Pacific Islanders continue to grow as they try to make more of a dent in what was maybe a rugby union area as Tonga, Samoa, Fiji start to get better. If you want to look at it, then I think you could look at some of these places and go, okay, where do I want to go? Do I have the ability to maybe put games there, put games maybe in somewhere in North Queensland, but then also in PNG somewhere and then like have a, even if it's a split fan base or something, right? But it's a matter of if you want to take the game and, and develop it and start to really build it, you're going to have to just go. And I know what everybody's going to say is, or what a lot of people will say is, oh, well, you know, that you won't get this and you won't get that. Or the fam- You have to make it happen, right? I think that's one thing I've learned uh, from the outside, but having conversations with some of these different clubs and different people inside the game at different levels, they, they want it to happen without investing. And the honest answer is you're just going to have to, you're going to have to know that you're going to take a loss for 10 years, uh, but you're going to end up developing the game. The kids that are 10 years old right now that live up in that area or live in those countries, by the time they're old enough to start going to games and paying for it and buying jerseys for their, for their kids and everything else, that's when your investment comes back around. Whereas, you know, if you have all your teams in Sydney, that's great. But like the, the game doesn't, grow any it just sits there and the world grows around it but it doesn't grow yeah that's very interesting just from someone who lives in the sydney area um the general consensus i guess here for most neutral fans would be if if two teams are to go out it's the tigers and the sharks yeah which i wouldn't 
I, I wouldn't pick the teams because I wouldn't even know. But yeah, I would yeah. see the Sharks being an obvious one to get rid of just because of the Dragons being there, and they they've got a little bit. They could easily be able to consume that or like absorb that fan base. One hundred percent. Well, a good friend of both of ours and a Dragons fan, Michael Carboni, was yep. on here two weeks ago as a guest, and he said he wanted to see the Sharks out of Sydney, either get rid of them or put them in a place like Perth, which I think could work. Um, Because the Dragons, I know as someone who... So I live two hours north of the Wollongong, Illawarra area, where the Dragons are from. I've stayed there, beautiful place. It's Dragons country already. I would say the, the majority of supporters... Uh, Dragons fans. So, so if you're talking about a team being moved or being altered with, I guess with the let, and you'll still get a backlash, but with less, the least amount of fan backlash. One hundred percent. You're looking at Cronulla, unfortunately, all due respect to Sharkies fans. Uh, did you have anything else to add on that point? No, I think that the the, the biggest thing is you. The biggest thing is it's not so much the the teams you'll lose it's the fan base you'll start to develop and you will dig more into uh what's traditional rugby union areas maybe inside those islands and bring even more in it it just it just develops the game so much better okay well we'll get on to your second piece of trash now uh, you'd like to see the emerging nations rugby league world cup be held in the americas so i guess we can say you'd like to see you'd like to see it out Oh, where it currently, which I believe it's, is it held in Australia usually? I'm not too. Yeah, I um, think for the most part, it made it yeah. come back. And last night, and it was in 2018. Um, and it was, it was awesome. It was a great competition. And, and I definitely understand the whole concept of the majority of the players that are playing for these countries are Aussie, you know, Aussie guys that are, you know, like uh, heritage and stuff like that. Their parents have moved over. So it makes sense. Like that's the main base. Uh, but it's a matter of building it every four years, right? So I look at the rugby league. Uh, I look at the emerging nations as the perfect one to, one, set the groundwork for an actual World Cup, right, which would be big. And then, two, you have that ability every four years. So those players know it ahead of time. They can be trying to save money. They could be trying to work with their uh, with their their country that they're trying to work with. They can start building into domestic players. Uh, if you have it in South America, like imagine if Chile was to actually hold that Rugby League Emerging Nations World Cup, what it could do for the game there, here in the United States, in Canada. But you could you could build that. So a lot of the domestic players from these countries that played in this last one would actually only be going half the distance instead of all the way across the world. Anybody that's coming from the Pacific, they could easily come to the Americas. And you could build that. And again, I think you know, when, you're, when you're when you're looking at it, it's kind of the same thing. It's expansion. Right? If, if you have if you have five players domestically from these from these uh, from these countries that have a realistic shot of putting on their the country that they live in's jersey, it's the game's never going to grow. Like it just it, not at a, again not at a realistic level. It's going to grow at a level where people feel excited about it, but that they'll be excited about it growing for 50 years and it'll never really grow. But if you bring something as simple as the emerging nations over here and you put that, like you think about the United States, well, the United States is an emerging nation when it comes to that. So you couldn't put our heritage players on the field 
but you could say that the United States had to be all domestic players, right? So if you put all domestic players, that would level the playing field a little better. And then that gives, you know, the, the national team coach the opportunity to see players that he wouldn't necessarily normally get to, to see compete against, you know, guys that are going to be skilled coming from clubs and stuff like that. So I think it could be a really good thing for the game to continue to find ways to build. And it's a little less financial burden uh, so they can test out more things with it. So if the Emerging Nations World Cup are going to be held in the Americas, surely there's no excuses for the Hawks then not to win, right? You would hope so. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely believe if you put a domestic team of the, the, the USA Hawks on the field, um, they could compete with any of the, the Emerging Nations teams. I don't think, that's a, I don't think that would be far-fetched to believe they could. So. Yeah, well, we we look at some of the domestic boys, and you know, I've been blessed to be able to you know talk to a few of them a, a fair bit. Um, you look at the Kings boys, the trio for me. You got Brandon Anderson, Jamil Robinson, Kevin Reed Jr. Um, you know that fast duo. That those guys, they are, oh, they are built nicely. They look like Olympic runners. You, you can just tell by looking at you can just tell by looking at them that they'd kill it in athletics. Like they they've just got the build for it. I'd I'd love to see a Jamil Robinson or or a Brandon Anderson come play on the wing in the NRL. Yeah, because I think they might have the fox covered. What do you think? Oh yeah, I I don't think this is a weird one, right? I'm almost forty years old, so there's no way in the world I'm catching the fox at any point in the future. Like it's not even remotely close. Mm. But I look at like uh, I look at the guys that are considered the fastest in the NRL, um, and I feel like I probably went to high school with thirty guys that could run as fast as anybody that I see. And that's not because they're like superior athletes; it's because of the the way that the athletes are developed, right? So the American athlete is is developed to swap sports constantly right and so the ones that are natural athletes and speedy guys they find ways to get even faster they go from sports like maybe you know football to basketball or hockey or wrestling or baseball or soccer like they you switch sports every couple months adapting to it wouldn't be a hard thing uh, and then some guys just like Jamil like Brandon like they like they they develop every version of their skill and obviously they're fast anyway. So now they develop ways to be more explosive. Uh, they, I don't think it would be that. I don't actually think it would be that tough for an American to go out and learn to play on the wing. Um, and I, and I think a part of it is because they'd be playing along guys. Like it's not because they're so phenomenal in, in the sense of like being able to say they're as good as the Fox. It's, they'd be playing with guys that would make them understand the game faster. And that is the key. It's they would be playing. They'd be 12 guys that would know how to play the game naturally. They've just been born and raised in it. And the, the speed at which it would make somebody like Jamila Brandon develop that game would be, I mean, I think that's the thing that people don't pay attention to. It's not just the coaching. It's the other 12 players around them that could make them better, faster. Yeah, and with all due respect, playing on the wing is probably the easiest position to exactly. learn. Yeah. You get the ball, like a Mike Acevo, what's he been taught at Parramatta at least last year? You get the ball, you run as hard as you can straight, put it down at the end. Um, 
yeah, I have to agree, man. And, you know, just one last point from me before we head on. The Hawks would definitely win it as long as Christian Freed stays away from the side, right? <laughs> yeah. Freedy, Freedy will just be looking to see if he could find the toddler-sized T-shirt that he's allowed to wear with no sleeves. That's all he would, that's all he would want to know is if he could get a team shirt in, in, uh, in, in toddler small. Well, actually, speaking of the Any Given Monday guys, you know, an Emerging Nations World Cup, we could see Wrightman's Uruguay. I would love that. In the relatively near future. I recently interviewed him about them. He actually messaged me yesterday, said he's going to be in Sydney for, for the grand final, wants to catch up and have a drink. So that should he's be good. He's such a good dude. He's, he's such a good, good dude. dude. I'm very keen to meet him. And, I'm, you know, I'm very keen to have those boys actually come on in a future episode and possibly get up to Brizzy um, and head on head on to an episode with them. Um, are you ready to move on to the next topic? Yeah, brother. Yeah, so we've got a third piece of trash here. I'd like to see a one-month window mid-season of the NRL. It would be for origin and regional internationals. So I say let's – so I guess you're saying – Let's get the current schedule in the bin. And this is something quite similar to what our good friend Michael Carboni of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast said. Understandably, of course, with that, um, with those international games. But would you like to expand a little bit upon why you would like to see a mid-season break in the NRL for Origin and regional internationals? Yeah, I think it's. I think it adds an element to it, right? Like if you, if you, if they say, "Well, we don't want to stop the games; we want to keep them going." Okay, well then, that is of course the time that you bring up the other guys, right? So any of the players, in my mind, any of the players that get pulled into the origin camp in that during that window, they would be ineligible for their for their teams, whether they get picked by origin or not, right? Which adds a certain strategy and creativity. Then it brings players up from like New South Wales and the Q Cup. It gives them an opportunity, stuff like that. Um, but when it comes down to it, if you just block off that part of the uh, that part of it, players that are dedicated to origin or dedicated to origin, the other players are yeah they're resting. That's fine. Or if you allow them to go back and play a local Q Cup game for fun or something, whatever. I don't I don't really care about that piece. That's way beyond me. But what happens also is if you do those regional internationals, which you already do, but now you designate that window as this is during this month period, you know that Tonga will play Samoa, Fiji will play PNG, something like that. Then the following week, they'll play again. Then the following week, they'll play again. They'd get a three-test series uh, or a round-robin or something like that. And so you can, you can fill up the television. You can have the origin game on the Wednesday, which everybody's going to want to see. Uh, and then on the, you know, or on a Saturday, whatever day you want. But you could have that set up to where you have a game like on a Friday, then on a Saturday, then on a Sunday. And you could just run that back to back to back and you could really start to pull even more, uh, more in, right? You'd have more Pacific Islanders watching. You're going to have more people paying attention. It's going to be a a fun buildup. It could be, like I said, it could be Fiji versus PNG on a Friday and Samoa versus Tonga on a, on a Saturday and then origin on a Sunday. It could just be one of these really exciting times um, and it gives a break. And yeah, some players still play through, but they'd be excited to rep uh, their sides. And then we know we have a guaranteed time that they are doing this. It's not like, oh, every couple of years or maybe this may, you really start to develop that international portion of the game, uh, even if it's those teams, but you're developing them. Then obviously the English players, if they want to go back, so that way they can develop there, right? So if they, if they want to be able to go back in Scotland 
Wales, Ireland, England, France, like teams like that want to play international games over there. You may have the guy that you, you may have a, uh, a guy that has, you know, French heritage or Leb- let's say Lebanese heritage and they want to go play with Lebanon and they want to be able to play against France and Wales and England or something like that. They can have that ability to build that game during that middle of the season because we, we have to be looking at the future of the game, just not what the fan wants for right now. Being being a fan of your team is great, but that does nothing for the game, right? Like you have to you have to look to try to find ways to bring in new fans. Uh, and I think a lot of markets care more about the international. If you don't live in Australia, unless you're kind of you know like a nut for the game, like myself, it's it's a lot harder to follow. Um, but you can always follow if you can wear your colors of your country. Yeah, definitely. I really agree with this. Carbs convinced me on it a couple of weeks ago, and you've just hammered the point home beautifully. It makes a lot of sense, right? You look at, especially with the Oceania Cup, you look at the Oceania Cup last year, they had that dedicated period. Uh, sorry, they played a couple of games mid-season in the Oceania Cup, and they had that dedicated period after the season had finished. So why can't you dedicate that period in the mid-season and give them that luxury that they have at the end of the season too? So I agree. Yeah, and it builds up, you know. Yeah. And, and you know that that's that's New Zealand getting more interaction. That's you know you think about that time of year, right? That's normally the time of year that you get New Zealand or somebody hosting. Um, you get them hosting uh, um, teams. From yeah. um, or, or where they go, wherever they, they, the rugby union side, they're 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 doing a big series during that. So this is the opportunity to basically say, hey, no, we want to play during this time. Uh, we want to we want to try to get some attention on our game and, and and things like that. And in the summertime, you have you know soccer people that normally would be cheering for soccer teams. They're maybe not paying attention. They have the off season. They have a little bit of break. That's another way to catch people, even in like the uh, in the northern hemisphere. So for me, it's a it seems like a win. Definitely, man. I love it. I don't really have anything else to add other than I agree with it. I would be very happy if this came into play. Do you have any other points that you'd like to add on this third point? Nah, bro. I'm good. Awesome. Well, up next now this one really interests me because I know that you have been vocal in the past about the NRL and rugby league sort of missed opportunities or poor attempts at trying to grow the game in the USA because I have a feeling the NRL really does want to do it, but they just don't know how because they want to get to that exposure. But the thing is, personally, I don't think the NRL can do it. It's got to be rugby league as a whole. It's got to be growing the game within the US and not exposing it to the US, although that helps. Um, That's not the whole thing. However, there would be a bit bit of better exposure if we get to your fourth point, which is removing paywalls and geo-blocking from the Americas for five years and target market on social media. So I I guess this would expose both the NRL and the Super League. You're talking about England and Australia here. Um, giving both leagues more exposure in the US. Would you like to expand on that a bit? Yeah, I think the I think one of the things is uh, where 
a lot of people are curious to be like, oh, the NRL needs to build in, in here and they need to develop this and they need to develop that. Um, there are very few leagues in any sport around the world that actually develop outside of their own country, right? Like, meaning like they put, like they try to put roots down. That That's a, that's a very different thing um, than trying to uh, do the, the audio or the, the visual or what, like the games on TV and stuff. So for me, you know, if you want to bring, um, if you wanted to bring like the, the club championship to America, I think that would be a big win. You could do that every year. You could do that in the, uh, in the Southern part of the country, or you could say, we're going to have it in California every year, or, or we're going to have it in California one year, and then we're going to have it in Florida the next or something like that. Right. You, you could bring a physical game here and you could draw attention and you could start to pinpoint and try to build into an area uh, you could then work to be able to get it on TV and all that would be great. But when it comes down to it, the biggest win where you can give is going to be in, you have to give, like I should be able to go onto YouTube and watch games, the NRL games or origin. Like I can't search every origin game. Sometimes they'll be on and then other times they'll pull them and then they'll go on somewhere else and then they'll pull them. And I can't, you know, I can't always watch super league games. It, like like America, you have to give. You, we, we're the largest. I mean, we are a gigantic sports psychotic society. And if you tell us that we have options to watch games at five thirty in the morning, we, you'll have people waking up to watch a game at five thirty in the morning. But they they're not going to pay for it. I I would venture to say if you did, if you were to look at the americans not not aussies or brits or somebody like that that have come to america and then they they pay for the nrl app Uh, but if you were to look at the amount of americans themselves who pay for the watch nrl app i'd be willing to say in a population of like 380 million people i'd be willing to say it's probably no more than a couple hundred people you know like period yeah Uh, whereas i know like in the last couple of weeks i know that aussie rules football uh, which has now got their stuff on TV over here on a channel that it's very easily streamed and everything else. Pat McAfee. Uh, yep, because of Pat McAfee that we're talking, uh, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people have, have tuned in because a guy who's really fun to listen uh, talk about sport is now wearing the outfit. Uh, he's out in the streets playing and goofing off with his crew before the games, punting the ball. Like they, you know, they somebody got excited about it. Somebody targeted him. Somebody, somebody, they found a way to get to him and it's working. You know, it's a, it, it's one of those kind of things. They have to, they have to give it out there, right? Like you think about, it, I have people all the time that ask me how they can get it. Well, it's funny. I, I try to talk about the game from over here, but I can't, nobody can see the game. They can't, they can't watch this. They can't, they can't get anything. Uh, they can get very little. So if they put it, even if they put it out right after the games happen and they put it up on YouTube, and the only place they exposed it to were the Americas, they could start to get traction because then they could they could try to market to them. Super League, same thing. Like The game, Super League has to open all their stuff up to the Americas if they want New York or Toronto to have any form of uh, relevancy as far as like bringing the Super League relevancy, not the, the teams, right? But like no, nobody will pay attention to Huddersfield but if all of a sudden the games are on YouTube and you can start to watch them, well, then now they will because then they'll turn around and they'll want to buy gear. 
right? Like I, I want to buy a hat. I want to buy a jacket. I want to buy a hoodie. I want a jersey. Like I've got something that my friends don't have. And now I look cool when I wear this, uh, like those kind of things. Like that's the kind of stuff like sports gear is a part of our cult, like our actual culture of like apparel and stuff like that. So it, like it, and having something that not everybody else has is a unique thing. So those are other ways you can build it up. I really like that, man. Um, just a, a couple of points from me, um, especially on the, the Super League side of things. One, I believe, I believe I, I, I either, it was either from you or Carbs. I'm certain of that. I'm pretty sure it was you who said uh, it was on the Toronto Wolfpack. I think you said it last year. It actually hinders the Wolfpack being in the Super League because in the championship, they got more TV yes. exposure, I believe, because the, there wasn't those paywalls and geo-blocking. But Correct. now that they're in the Super League, it's much harder for their local fan base to yeah, watch I games. Yeah, I couldn't see any games this year. I couldn't see any games until they came up like two weeks later on YouTube. So to be perfectly honest with you, prior to the season closing down, I didn't. I watched, I think, maybe 20 minutes of one Toronto game. And I was like, eh, I don't really want to watch this. Yeah. Like I didn't care. Yeah, I just I gave up. I I just I lost all interest because I couldn't watch the game on a stream platform. Like it's you you just have to give it to us in a in a in a way that make like it's up to the company to figure out ways to bring in revenue. It's not up to me as a consumer to find ways to consume your product. Yeah. Now this next one is more of a question. Now from o- over here in Australia, the general vibe I get from a lot of New York based sports teams so we're talking the Mets the Yankees the Knicks the Jets the Giants I'm probably there's a lot of sports and a lot of New York based teams the Red Bulls NYCFC um, generally the New York based sports teams aren't liked a whole lot by the rest of the country now do you believe there's a chance that that could actually benefit the the growth of the English game in America because people around the country here, there's this rugby rugby league team, um, this New York-based side in an English competition. They go over and watch and they're like, well, I hate New York, but, oh, look, there are a few other teams here I could get behind. Maybe if they eventually get to the Super League or the cha- – maybe let's say they get to the championship in a couple of years, they're up against Bradford. A few people from over in America go, oh, there's a team from New York playing, we'll watch them. Oh, I don't really like New York. Don't like the sporting franchise. Hold on, but this Bradford team's pretty good. I like this sport. I'll support Bradford. Do you think there's there's the possibility for that to happen? And do you think New York's actually a really good team in that aspect where not only will the city of New York and the lovers of New York get behind this team, but there's also the potential for others in America to sort of see that hate the New York team, but maybe get behind some of the English teams. Do you think that's a, a possibility at all, mate? Sorry about that, guys. Uh, we had a bit of a dropout. As I said earlier, there were some technical difficulties and Nate just dropped out for a second there. So that's probably why you heard a little bit of a cut. Just going to check, Nate. You good? You sweet, man? 
Yeah, brother, I'm back. Wonderful. I'm back. Sorry about that. That's I heard your question and that's when it cut off was about New York and uh and what it could do with other clubs. Um I think first, I think uh, uh you know, obviously they've got to be able to drop you know, yes, they have to put all those games on TV. They have to be able to drop those paywalls so people can see it so that way they can choose. Um I think what'll happen is I don't think anybody outside of the New York, New Jersey area um well, I take that back. Some of the players and, and fans in the places where we play rugby league, and, and you know, they may pick up on it, um, and, and and pick a team. I think nobody outside of the New York, New Jersey region will pay attention to the Super League at all. Uh, but there are a lot of people in the New York, New Jersey region, so a lot of them could, uh, and and a lot of them would pick their old team, right? Like you, you're going to have a lot of guys. If it's there, then anybody that came from Ireland or Scotland or Wales or England, if they did follow the game at all and they've kind of lost touch with it, they will regain it, right? So they'll get those people back that would want to buy their jersey for their team or a hat or whatever. They would also introduce their their friends to it. Um, you know, they start to do work in the local area. If it's on TV, New Yorkers will, you know, be able to tune in and watch a game. The good thing about Super League, one of the biggest advantages they have is that the games come on at a relatively good time on the weekend, not on the Thursday or Friday game, but on the weekend, any game that they would put out would come on at a relatively early hour on a Saturday or Sunday, typically for an American to be able to watch. So that is a good way that they would be able to get those people to, uh, to pay attention from outside that local area. And then they could follow a Wigan or a St. Hel- and And those would be the real teams that would get the following, right? Like a Bradford wouldn't get much of a following simply because there's nobody in the stands, right? But now you turn into a game on Wolver, uh, you know, um, Warrington, or you uh, Wigan, or St. Helens, or even Cass, and they'll hear the passion that the fans have, whole FC and stuff like that, and they'll be like, "Oh wow, I want to be a part of that." Then they would definitely do that, and it could really help the game of Super League um, develop that way. Okay, just on New York quickly before we move on. I'm really excited about the prospect of New York and hopefully we get to see, hopefully it's an avenue for some homegrown US talent to really start to get their name out there. I recently interviewed, as you know, Connor Donoghue for Everything Rugby League. And in the last question I said, I basically said, man, what's, what's next? You know, where is Connor Donoghue going from here? And he's like, well, he doesn't, he'd love to return to Brooklyn and mm-hmm. play for the Kings. Obviously, right now, he's over here in Australia, I believe, um, yeah. just training with friends, I think he said, keeping fit. Um, but he said New York is a team he'd love to play for. He loves that prospect of New York. And I know, I believe, Ryan Burrows has displayed a bit of interest too. Um, who knows, that bloke Christian Freed might want to... <laughs> Might want, might want to go another round over in the U.S. So. I have heard that they are going to have uh, that they will have child size uh, jer- like teddy bears <laughs> with jerseys on them, so he could probably buy one of those, give the uh, teddy to his kid, and then he could keep the jersey for himself. So that would be good. I think that would work out. And uh, yeah, no, I've actually had that conversation with Ricky and I've, uh, Will be, and I've had, and I've told him, you know, and I've told other people, if you want a team based in America that plays a game that isn't. A, typically played by Americans 
but the league is not from here. If you want it to have any opportunity, uh, you have to put domestic players in it. You yeah. have to put Americans yeah. in it. And you can obviously – some of those can be heritage players, but you have to have – if, if, if domestic players aren't on the team, I don't, you know, the Canada's embraced it. America doesn't embrace things like that. Like, that's just not our, that's not our culture. It's not our vibe. You, in some pockets in America, you can, but like in New York, uh, you, you have to have, you have to have domestic players on the team for them to, for them to, because that's how you get players to play that game, right? Like, that's how you get younger kids. Like, oh, I can do this. Where if everybody sounds British, and they're be like, uh, okay, how do I get into this? I can't. So I guess I'll just watch it once and call it a day. Like you have to, you have to have, you have to be putting Americans on the field and they have to be playing, not like a token here and there a couple minutes. It's, you know, if you have a, a game day roster of 17, especially when they're in the lower levels where it'd be a lot easier. I mean, you got to have four or five of those guys be American, sound American, you know, play the American way of playing the game. You, you have to have it or it just like it just doesn't the USA sevens had very little attention paid to it. A lot of people played sevens, but the national team had quite a few guys that would, that spoke and they had an accent from somewhere else and they were heritage players, but they were the spokespeople. Well, all of a sudden when a born and raised American started playing the game and started excelling and started being talked on, like they were the ones on the interviews, it, it, it ramped up the level of desire to make it in sevens and then they turn it into an Olympic sport and it jacked it up even higher. So it, it's just one of those things. You, if you want it to be big here, you have to invest in the American. I definitely agree. A great example of that quickly before we move on. I just remembered, just look at what big Mason Cox has done. You've heard of Mason Cox, right? The AFL player over in America, I believe, it's in part due due to Pat McAfee getting behind the Collingwood Magpies, who are his yeah. team. You know, McAfee's had him on the show now. Everyone who watches his show now knows Mason Cox and now knows, oh, my God, there is an American playing in the AFL. Who does he play for, Collingwood Magpies? I think you might have said it on your podcast, uh, your Q&A podcast last week. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get me a Mason Cox Collingwood Magpies jersey and rep it because he's our boy. So hope hopefully you know there's a um, there's some New Yorkers pretty soon going. Hey, that Ryan Burrows, I'm gonna go get his uh, his New York jersey. Uh, anything else you wanted to add on that man? Sorry, I, I went off topic. No, that's um, part, that's a exactly it is on topic. But... Like it's a part of that, like that geo block and that paywall. It all it all. Target marketing, it all wraps around to it. So, no, I, I, I got nothing to add, but yeah, no, I think you're actually, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. Awesome, man. Uh, look, I'm going to have to get, get out there next year or something. Obviously, uh, I was planning a holiday with my girlfriend for this year before um, COVID hit, and we we're planning something big. And I, I did sort of want to come to America and meet up with you and possibly go to a couple of USARL games, but. What happens, happens. So I'll have to make it next year. Um, however, we're moving away from America now, back home to Australia. Well, for me, and I'd, I'd argue a lot of the listeners, back home to Australia. The women's game, which is also something you're quite passionate about. You want to see the fall game, the, the, the three-game plus grand final um, NRLW season out you want to that's a piece of trash you want to see it in the bin 
you'd love to see eight teams playing and I can't agree more. In the very least, I think the teams, since they have four, should play each other twice. They don't for some reason. Bring in the eight, it'll make it a lot more enticing product because more fans will have their team in the women's competition. Plus, it's a bit more of a meaningful competition because you don't all just play it once and you don't end up with a situation like we got in 2018 where the team who had literally not won a game and was last on the ladder with one round to go ended up playing in the grand final. Yeah. Nate, take it away, my man. I agree 100% already. It's already in it's already in the bin. The trash I've already I've already metaphorically scrumpled it up and I've thrown it over my head. <laughs> I think it's landed in the trash. Well, take I think it away. I, I look man, I the, I think one of the I think one of the advantages is, or one of the things that's very obvious is that the NRLW is a success. It is people love it. Guys love it. Girls especially love it. There are teenage girls all over Australia that will get to watch somebody that looks like them, sounds like them, represents them, plays the game, and they continue to build it. They are, they are, they're freaking so much fun to watch. Right? There's a lot of more. There's a lot of skill that I see in the women's game where it, it may not be exactly like. I actually hope that. I hope that over the years the coaches don't come in and then slow the game down like to make it look like the men's game. Keep it the way it looks right now. It's fun. It's fast. It's There's a lot of amazing passing, a lot of great skill passes simply based on the fact that a lot of these uh, these young women maybe grew up playing touch and stuff like that where the game was a little bit, you know, a little bit different in how it was played, obviously. Uh, but it's adding this excitement. Origin is out, off the charts. I love the one game origin. I think that's actually perfect for right now because it, it really it, it forces the game to matter so much more. And I think it's great. Um, but I think if you take that to eight teams, one of the joys is you don't have to make it the Brisbane Broncos and the West Tigers and the this type. You, you can obviously, but you can make it the Brisbane Broncos and it could be West Brisbane, right? You could add that, you know, you could have uh, a more Sydney-based teams on the women's well, side than you could on the men's side even. And you don't have to necessarily make them specifically NRL teams, right? It could even be opened up to what would be considered a feeder team in the NRL. You, you can be a little bit different. There's no rule that says you, in order for it to be the NRLW, that it has to also be the uh, the Cronulla Sharks women, right? There's nothing that says it yeah. couldn't be the North Sydney Bears uh, women's team that could be in the NRLW, right? And so because it needs to be treated as its own entity, even though it's a part of it. And so you can add those teams. You could have, say, three teams in this region where they could play each other a little bit easier, and then a bunch of teams in Sydney where they could play each other easier. But if you had eight teams, you played seven games, you played each team once, every single time you play that team, you're going to go as hard as you can because it's the only shot you may have at that team, and every win counts. And then you go into the playoffs, and you just make it those, those top four teams they play each other. The the other four are out. Like they're done. Uh, the the top four teams play goes down to two, and it and it's still a condensed season. Obviously, like there is the reality that these women have to have jobs and they have to be able to figure it out. But I think that you find out real quick. Like you know, the the world's pretty decent on the fifty percent of men and fifty percent of women. You know, from a population standpoint, it's it's obviously going to vary a little bit here and there, but uh, depending on where you're at, but but I mean, for the most part, it's, you know, give or take split down the middle. So you have quite a few young ladies who 
want to be able to grow up and play that game, you're gonna get you're gonna have an amazing recruiting base for players plus their parents like a parent of a child that all of a sudden grows up to be a professional sports lady playing the game of rugby league those parents are going to watch they're going to tell their cousins their uncles their aunts everybody else is going to pay attention it's continuing to build it and and the eight games show it's just enough but it's not too much that it makes it impossible for these uh, for these really good players to be there but it just keeps adding and then one of the wonderful things you could probably do is you could set that up to be games that happen, you know, on a Saturday, the first game of the day or whatever it could be. You would know like set times, like on Saturdays or whatever the case may be, this time, this is the NRLW game of the, uh, on a Saturday. And then this is the NRLW game on a Sunday. And, you know, you post, the, put a couple of those games, you have one on a Friday. You could set it up just right to where you could make the NRL and the NRLW both highly desirable for all involved, like it, it would just be so exciting. I'm very much, uh, well, I've already said it. I agree. Uh, just a couple things. One, you said West Brisbane. Are you trying to suggest that the West, West Michie Panthers are going to get a, a women's team? I'd be okay with the West Michie, uh, uh, Pan, uh, West Michie Panthers getting one. And then, of course, Freedy's going to look to try to get a, a women's extra small to put on as well because uh, then it's even more form-fitting for him. I was going to say maybe the right man would be the coach or maybe Dano or someone, but oh, uh, straight back, straight no, back Dano into Freedy. Dano, Dano can't be the coach because he took his shirt off. He, like, he takes his shirt off randomly, so he can't be trusted. Well, uh, uh, Freedy, we already know what he does. But I think Wrighty would be able to say that he would be the – West Mitchelton NRLW coach and the Uruguay coach. That'd be a hell of a uh, hell of a resume. Well, I, I was going to say, based off of that podcast the boys did with Julia Robinson a few weeks ago from the Brisbane Broncos, if Dano was the coach, she won't be trying to attack the girls on the other team. She'd be attacking Dano because he'd probably try and take his shirt off again, Nero. Which oh yeah, yeah, he's a he's a ladies man. He's a ladies man. Um. Anyway, man, do you have anything? Oh, sorry, just my sec- my, my serious point now. Sorry, I got the <laughs> what, what's that? The fourth or fifth any given Monday plug we given? <laughs> they're they're all in it. <laughs> they need to pay us. Okay, they do. A- anyway, um, just on what you well, kind of on that, but a serious point. Uh, whereas they don't need to be called named after an NRL team. I sort of disagree to an extent, and here's why. Um, you know, first take, right, Stephen A. Smith, you're wrong, and here's why. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, for a bit of an American reference there, um, I believe that they should be named after the NRL. I believe they should match with their male um, their male cohort, I guess it's the cohort, their male peers. Um, so the Broncos women's team, Broncos men's team, because I think the NRLW, regardless, will attract a lot of female support, right? A lot of men may be iffy to get on board just in general. However, I think the biggest thing that is helping it so far, and this is why we need more teams, is because a lot of the Brisbane Broncos male supporters are now very interested in the women's team, right? Because they are the Brisbane Broncos. Um, yeah. For example, so I think in terms of the brand exposure, you know, having that familiar brand that a lot of people support 
that's more likely just to get to get those views and to get that interest. But you know what? If down the line, once there is enough interest, or you, you could introduce new teams that are West Mitchelton Panthers, let's use them as an example, <laughs> or you know you could look at um you could look at changing team names, just changing the the profile of the teams. I guess you could say a bit. Um, so I don't think right now. Personally, I wouldn't go for that. I'd go, I'd stick to the NRL team names. But you know what? Take, take the games to these new places that you're talking about. You know, take them to these different areas. Hell, have the Broncos play a game in West Mitchie, right? Um, yeah, that could I, be the thing I, to do. Yeah, I, 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 I really like that idea. But for now, I think we keep the branding the same as the NRL teams, the team just that for I that would exposure. Say with that, though, would be the North Sydney Bears. I would no, say that okay. would be, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that yeah. would give you know that's a that is a club that me as an American, right, coming from the outside looking in, like learning the game later on. There's one club that doesn't. There's two clubs that I learned about really early on that aren't in the NRL, but I learned about them very very early on, and that was Newtown Jets. And that was the North Sydney Bears. Those two teams I learned about almost at the same time that I started paying or knowing that the Brisbane Broncos and the West Tigers and the St. George Illawarra Dragons existed. So those, you know, so like inside of that, the North Sydney Bears, you know, you think of Kira Dib and stuff, like they're like that one team that I could see that you could bring in and it would give their whole fan base a sense of pride and joy where it would actually carry over. But I do agree with you for 99% of it, that, yeah, it would be better to have those NRL teams. Yeah, well, it would be going on to a year and a half ago now. I'd say I actually interviewed the North Sydney Bears CEO. Um, God, this is when I was fresh out of high school. I wasn't even writing for anyone then. I didn't even know if I was getting into uni then. So that was really great of him to talk to me. Um, the North, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I do apologise. But the Bears CEO, he actually told me that they, their fan base is relatively big and they are sustainable to be an NRL club, but they need the fans coming to the games. They know for a fact they have a fan base. On a lot of my posts, like at least weekly, I'll get a comment on a post saying, bring back the Bears from someone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think there definitely is the market. And could that be through introducing a women's team to the NRLW? It couldn't hurt. It yeah. certainly couldn't hurt. It could only, at worst, it could say, okay, well, the team's not doing too great. We'll keep them in the NRLW, but we won't bring the Bears back to the NRL. Or if they're doing really good, getting good crowds to North Sydney Oval, the NRL might look at that and think, okay, they're, they're ready. The, the Bears are a viable product in both the women's and because they've been viable in the women's, it looks like they'll be viable back in the men's game as well. Did you have anything else? to add to that one night no nah, brother that was that, yeah that, I, I think that was i think we nailed that one and I, and I think it's i think it's a really cool one that i hope i see develop yeah definitely well we've got five pieces of trash here in the bin nate thank you so much for joining me tonight over here in australia it's actually just hit 12 a.m in australia i believe it's um, morning time over there um, yep. in, in the u.s uh, but yeah, a huge thank you. I've had a lot of fun. I believe this is the longest um, point I've done yet. So it's obviously been a great, 
a great old chat, I'd say. Um, but yeah, man, thank you. Now, Righty, Freedy, Dano, we'll be expecting our checks in the mail tomorrow morning for, for all the free publicity Nate and I have been giving you guys. But Nate, I just want to hand it over to you. Now, obviously, you've got the Rugby League in America podcast, but I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit because I know you don't promote it okay. too much on RLA, but I believe you're part of a couple of other podcasts. If you'd like to plug them as well, please be my yeah. guest. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, the, the one that I do, we do this occasionally. We don't do it all the time. We do train wreck your life. That's for fun. That's me and Katie. That's my girlfriend. For those who don't know, my uh, Aussie girlfriend. Uh, we do that. We, we, we just have fun with that one. Uh, we, we don't do it as often as we should, but we'll get around to it. But the big one that I actually, I've started and it's, it's kind of taken me away from rugby league as I got it going. I got to kind of spend some time to get it going. And so now I'll be able to balance it out between the two. Uh, but the Inheriting Manhood podcast, that is, that one is, you know, I, I, where a lot of that came was, was over time, obviously in my life, but with, uh, I started noticing, I had people messaging me that were from the rugby league world even, and they were like, oh man, it's good that you do this and you're lucky you live this blessed life. And I started noticing these weird ones. And so I started talking to these people and they're like, oh yeah, my life kind of sucks because of this. And I was like, no, it sucks right now. And so I started having conversations with them at the same time. I do a lot of mentoring inside of my, my civilian job or my, my normal job, I guess you should, I should say, but, um, and in the process of that, I started working. I do a lot of stuff on the inheriting manhood that deals with, uh, obviously with men, but it's a lot of suicide prevention, a lot of leadership. It's a lot of uh, sexual assault and stuff like that. And because a lot of guys don't want to talk about it. And unfortunately I've been through, um, all of that. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where I, I have experience and I'm willing to talk about it. So it's a place where a lot of men can go and they can hear it. They don't have to feel uncomfortable. Like they have to interact in public and it's a way for them to then reach out and then uh, maybe I can help them somehow, some way. So. Yeah, we'll definitely head over to train wreck your life and inheriting manhood. Those two podcasts. And of course the rugby league in America yeah, with my man, Nate Glynn. Nate Glidden. I almost called you Nate Glidden for some reason. Plenty yeah, of pop- bad. <laughs> plenty of popcorn, plenty of whiskey. Oh yes. It's a grand old time. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the third episode of Five in the Bin. And a huge thank you once more to Nate Gladden from the Rugby League in America podcast. <laughs>